The Reckoning Draws Near. Welcome back to another episode of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. And if you're new around here, allow me to introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. Jam. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. So why not give me a follow? Reach out to me over on Twitter at Sir DRJM. You can tweet at me. You can DM me, whatever you want. Bring me questions, comments, topics for the show, whatever you've got. I'd love to bring them to the show and talk about everything Overwatch, uh, everything Blizzard games, and everything video games in general, because I love to play games. Now, of course... As well, if you're new around here, you're probably thinking, what is this podcast and where is it all about? Well, let me give you a little bit of a breakdown. So each and every week, we bring you all the latest news around the web about the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, what does that mean? That, of course, means usually we start things off with the news where we'll circle around the web. We'll bring everything together. We'll bring you the full picture on what's going on with Overwatch, with the Overwatch League, and everything in between. Then, of course, we will do an OWL recap. That's an Overwatch League recap where we will look at the past week's matches in the Overwatch League and talk about what exactly happened. Then, normally, we move into our pickums where we will select our winners and uh, try to guess what's going to happen in the upcoming week of Overwatch League matches. But, of course, as you know, if you follow the Overwatch League, we had our Grand Finals Championship this past weekend. That's right. On Friday, we crowned our fifth season winner. Um, and of course, we'll cover that on today's show. We'll cover the entire playoffs bracket, actually. But that means we won't have any pickups to do. And going forward, we're, of course, going to uh, not have much Overwatch League action to talk about. Now, we probably will have a fair amount of Overwatch League news, just given uh, how the previous offseason went with retirements, with signings, with moves, and everything in between. There's a good chance we're going to have a pretty wild offseason here, as we did have, I would say, a lot of all-star or superstar players um, likely play in their final season this past season. So it'll be really interesting to see how quickly things uh, ramp up um, and how quickly teams start making moves. Obviously, we are, as I mentioned, just literal days after the dust has settled i think they'll probably want to allow uh things to calm down a little bit more before they circle back before organizations circle back and start really making moves and talking about what's going on of course as we know from the past off season there were the occasional uh, surprises uh, a few teams and orgs that really kind of jumped on the uh, announcements and and you know letting go of their rosters and things like that of course the toronto defiant come to mind but ultimately i think we're probably still at least maybe a week out from that so you won't get any of that on this week's episode i don't think there have been any big uh, retirement announcements i know there have been a few players like i believe void from the shanghai dragon said that he's not going to be returning uh, because he has to do his mandatory military service of course in south korea um and there's been a few others in kind of that sense. Uh, but we'll see who actually, you know, announces official retirement and things like that. Or who announces they're a free agent, who's moving, who's uh, coming and going. Of course, we do have one of those to talk about this uh, this episode. But we'll get to that in due time. So we've got a decent show to cover, that's for sure, with uh, all of the Grand Finals Championship to uh, cover. So let's continue on now you can of course find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, etc etc so give us a follow leave us a review tell your friends and all that jazz and of course if you enjoy the sultry sound of my voice you can also catch me over on the ready set pwn podcast your premier source for everything vancouver titans and toronto defiant in the overwatch league check us out available on podcast services everywhere now 
I can't wait to cover the Grand Finals and a few other news stories from the Grand Finals. So, without further ado, let's dive on in. Death walks among you. All right, our first news story is actually going to take us over to thegamehouse.com, where we are going to read an article here that starts... Hadi receives the Dennis Hawelka Award. This is, of course, an article written by Deba Cowell on November 4th. I hope I pronounced that right. Apologies if I did not. The Dennis Hawelka Award is given out every season to one player in the Overwatch League that embodies what the late Dennis Hawelka stood for. It honors Dennis Hawelka's memory as a player and coach in the Overwatch, in Overwatch sorry, who unfortunately died in 2017. This award goes to someone who embodies the positive energy and aspiration spirit to their teammates and the community. In Season 5 of the Overwatch League, the honor goes to London Spitfire's Hadi Hadi Blinagle. I hope I got that right. The London Spitfire was not a favorite, favorite this season, unlike the Dallas Fuel or San Francisco Shock. Not only did the team reach the playoffs, they made it all the way to land. Hadi is a great leader within that team, not just mechanically, which is seen through his tank Roll Star Award, but also when inspiring his team. Through his long career in Overwatch since 2018, Hadi has been a positive light in the community. This was all the more highlighted when he joined the Overwatch League. He has uplifted the community despite going through many professional obstacles, not just on camera but also behind the scenes. He constantly checks on his teammates. His focus on the connection between gaming and fitness is a major goal that has influenced his life and he continues to try and inspire others to around him to join him that. To join him that. Yep, that's what it says. To Hadi, he sees being a leader is to be a family. His father-like role on the team has only furthered their growth together. To Hadi, to be a leader is to be family. He feels like a dad. Grow together. The Dennis Hawelka Award. The Dennis Hawelka, or sorry, Hadi joins the ranks of Mickey, Custa, McGravy, and Sparkle, who all previously won the award. For everything Hadi has done for the community, the 2022 Dennis Hawelka Award is well-deserved. Congratulations. So there you go. I uh, wanted to bring that one up. That was, of course, one of the um, announcements from Grand Finals. They, of course, give out the Dennis Hawelka Award during the finals, and uh, that was when we found out that it was going to Hadi. A great pick in my mind. Now, of course, also just before this, I did want to shout it out. I didn't actually include it in the uh, news stories, but of course, just before that, on November 3rd, uh, as announced by the Overwatch League, uh, the London Spitfire head coach Christopher did take coach of the year. So I've got the article here from the uh, official Overwatch League website. So I'll just read a quick snippet of that. It says 2022 coach of the year Christopher took Spitfire to new heights. The 2022 London Spitfire could tell you all about doubt, what it feels like, the weight of it, and most importantly, how to remove all traces of it. They'll tell you that it starts with a unique perspective, one that sees the game in a slightly different way, perhaps, but is no less valid. They'll tell you it requires a lot of hard work, not just in-game, but out of it, to build trust in each other, to forge family out of team. And then, or and they'll tell you, likely to a person, that it takes a special leader to light the way out of uncertainty and into a brighter future. For the Spitfire, head coach Christopher was that transformative figure who shaped the team around around his understanding of the game and built something greater than the sum of its parts. For his efforts, which have allowed the Spitfire to soar again, Christopher has been named the Overwatch League's 2022 Coach of the Year. So that's just a snippet of the article here that they actually have on the Overwatch League website. They have quotes from a number of other uh, players, teammates, uh, as well as other head coaches and things like that. Um, it's quite the article, uh, so definitely go give it a quick read because it's a good one. Um, and, I mean, Christopher was my vote for, uh, for Coach of the Year. I thought, uh, you know, it was clear that everything he had done for the London Spitfire, along with Hottie, as we just talked about, 
uh, made a huge impact on the team and really helped them achieve everything they did achieve this year. I believe they finished overall, I believe they finished about sixth, um, but we'll, we'll cover that when we get to our breakdown of the playoff bracket, of course. Moving right along then, let's head on over to DottieSports.com with an article by Ethan Garcia written on November 4th, which reads, The Rookie Stands Tall. Proper earns the MVP award for 2022 Overwatch League season. For this Overwatch League player, winning one award in his first year of playing on the main stage was just not enough. At the culmination of the 2022 Overwatch League season, where locating a definitive best player proved incredibly difficult for months, a new MVP was finally crowned. Among nearly 10 decorated candidates, Proper emerged as the recipient of the 2022 MVP award merely days after being awarded the Damage Roll Star and Rookie of the Year awards, a feat that has never been accomplished by an OWL MVP previously. As a rookie, Proper's main stage OWL experience has been limited to this year, though he joined the San Francisco Shock with plenty of success in the contender's Korea scene for nearly five years. In just his first OWL season, Proper helped to bring his team to three finals in the season's various tournaments, though that first place spot eluded him each time. After receiving the award, Proper expressed that he didn't believe he would win MVP after just winning Rookie of the Year, believing that he'd have to wait until next year to win the most prestigious OWL award in the OWL. Now, in a miracle lower bracket run for the San Francisco Shock, <laughs> Proper is prepared to take down the Houston Outlaws and meet the Dallas Fuel in the Grand Finals, complete with a Sojourn pick that he's made his own over the last few months. Previous winners of this award include Jonak and Fleta, all of whom displayed incredible individual and team-wide prowess in their respective seasons that allowed them to stand out among the other talent in the scene. Though Blizzard has discontinued the skins given for MVPs of the Owl, proper will likely be recognized through some sort of cosmetic in the near future there you have it that's the announcement about mvp of the year obviously they covered a couple other ones there as well the uh, rookie of the year and uh mentioned the one of the damage roll stars there as well obviously for anyone who got to vote on this or for anyone who just followed the league this season um you knew uh proper was gonna take this i mean there's no doubt in my mind Proper is probably the single player you could take from the San Francisco Shock and stick on any other roster, and he makes that roster demonstrably better. I remember uh, last year when uh, when I was voting for the um, for the MVP of the year, and I didn't quite think of the award in that same way. I kind of just thought, you know, in my mind, who's who's one of the best? Who who do I like best? Who's you know all around a great player um, and and really makes a difference on the team. And I believe I chose either someone from the Shanghai Dragons or someone from the Dallas Fuel. I can't quite remember who. Um, but the fact was that if I had kind of looked at the league holistically, I think I would have realized that, you know, the MVP award really is meant to be, at least, you know, something that I think it is meant to be, is that player who, again, you pull them from a team and that team performs drastically worse. You put him on him or her or them on a team and they perform drastically better so this year i mean certainly there may have been a few other picks that were i don't even want to say close to the level that proper brought um but there were maybe a few that uh you could see at least getting some votes getting some nominations that kind of thing um but ultimately i i don't think there was any choice other than proper so proper was my pick and obviously proper came out on top now let's head on over to TheVerge.com with an article by Ash Parrish posted on November 4th, which reads, Overwatch 2's newest hero is the scary but sexy Ramatra. 
In the perfect prelude to the Overwatch League 2022 Grand Finals, Blizzard has revealed Overwatch 2's newest character. Ramatra is the game's 36th hero, and his abilities and story seem like they'll make for the most interesting addition to the roster yet. Ramatra is the leader of Null Sector, a group of sentient robots called Omnics committed to the liberation of their people by any means necessary. In Overwatch 2's overarching story, yes, there is one, Null Sector is one of the biggest baddies responsible for touching off the war between robots and humans that became the instigating event for the creation of the Overwatch Task Force. Ramatra is a tank like you've never seen before. Rather than being the kind of tank that shields their team like Sigma, Reinhardt, or D.Va, Ramatra's ability to shapeshift between an Omnic and Nemesis form gives him offensive capabilities that allow him to attack enemies at range and burst into a team's backline to wreak havoc on softer targets. Quote, I don't think we can overestimate how scary Ramatra gets when he goes into Nemesis form, end quote, said lead narrative designer Gavin Jurgensferi in an interview with The Verge, quote, you will see him change. Jurgensferi talked about how in designing Ramatra, the team wanted to accentuate the fearsomeness of his transformation in order to strike terror into the hearts of players opposing a Ramatra. From an aesthetic perspective, I will say that Blizzard kinda missed the mark in making Ramatra scary. When I look at his long techno braids and his robotic abs, and especially when I hear his digitized voice provided by Ramon Tikaram, the man who voiced Dorian, quote, I'm too sexy for my shirt, Pavis of Dragon Age Inquisition, I don't see scary, I see sexy. More information on Ramatra and his abilities will be shared in the coming days, and will we will get to play him when Overwatch 2's second season starts on December 6th. So there you have it. That was just a uh, glimpse into Ramatra. If you haven't seen him yet, definitely I encourage you to go and uh, and take a look at this tank. I am blown away uh, by just how incredible he looks. I'm I'm super excited for this. I think uh, you know I was I was actually very excited for Junker Queen, and I think. Given what happened when Junker Queen came out, given the shift in the meta, as things went to a more uh, GOATS style, or as you know, a lot of people online called it, the JOTS meta, it was really interesting because what we saw was an entire playstyle shift focused and centered around her. She wasn't just a pick, she was the pick. You know, at the highest levels of play, if you weren't playing Junker Queen as your tank role, you weren't succeeding. And that's, you know, why we saw the teams that did very well in the Summer Showdown, say in the Overwatch League, uh, do as well as they did. But that's also unfortunately why we eventually saw a huge nerf hit Junker Queen. And obviously she now is uh, much less frequently picked, um, you know, unless you're playing at the very low levels that I play at. But uh, realistically, you don't see her in the highest levels of play anymore because it's just not uh, not viable to play that Jotes meta, that strategy kind of thing where you where you uh, you know group up around her and you use the sustain to stay alive because the sustain is no longer there like it was uh, during the Summer Showdown or the Jotes meta. Um, so. Anyways, point is, I'm very excited to see another new tank come in, um, especially one that looks like it has, you know, I don't want to say versatility, but these these sort of different uh, different styles to him, right? With the, with that sort of phase shift, um, I do think that's an interesting way to uh, to introduce a new tank. I could certainly see them doing sort of more tanks in that style. We know that they're they're shifting their design philosophy to make it so that tanks or uh, all roles in general are less sort of directly countered so i could definitely see them having tanks where certain there's a sort of subsect of tanks where they are shield tanks there's a subsect of tanks where they are you know uh, phase or stance tanks where they kind of have this duality that they can switch back and forth from 
and then you know maybe some other ones where they're they're more dive centric or something like that um again yet to be seen but overall i'm really excited to see what ramatra can bring to the table and how it really plays i, th I think it's going to be very exciting so moving on from there we're actually going to stay with dottiesports.com uh, except my last story was with The Verge, but we're going to go back to DottieSports.com with an article on November 5th written by Liz Richardson, which reads, Dallas Fuel wins 2022 Overwatch League Championship. For four years, a running joke in the Overwatch League has been that Grand Finals matches are always a disappointment. Even with competitive teams that want to go the distance, the season always ended in a whimper. The 2021 Finals was a stomp from the Shanghai Dragons, and two years prior, the San Francisco Shock demolished the Vancouver Titans. This year, in a welcome change, the mostly veteran Dallas Fuel roster faced the rookie phenoms of the rebuilt San Francisco Shock and finally brought fans a match for the ages. With a 4-3 victory, taking the series to the absolute maximum amount of maps allowed, the Dallas roster earned the franchise's first Overwatch League championship and crushed the dreams of a three-peat win for the Shock. For the latter half of the season, the Fuel had been dominant in the West region, taking the Summer Showdown tournament title and making life miserable for the rest of the teams during qualifiers. Led by veteran tank Fearless, Dallas settled near neatly into the Sojourn-centric Grand Finals meta and continued that dominance through the upper level of the playoff bracket. The San Francisco Shock came into the Grand Finals with righteous anger and renewed confidence. However, after being sent to the lower bracket early in the finals by the Houston Outlaws, the Shock proceeded to win five matches over four days to earn a spot in the season's ultimate match. Heading into the first map, Lijiang Tower, all eyes were on the Sojourn battle between the Fuel's ace shot Edison and Proper of the Shock. Considering Proper had just been crowned the Overwatch League's Rookie of the Year and its most valuable player, many fans may have expected the young phenom to topple Dallas's veteran damage dealer. Thanks to clutch shots from Edison and a truly painful trip off of the point from the Shock, Dallas cleanly took the first map. Edison continued his reign of terror against San Francisco's backline on King's Row, but with increasing fury and speed, Proper delivered railgun shots to the head of the Fuel and secured the second map for his team. Fuel's next map pick, Dorado, began looking dicey for Dallas almost as soon as it began. That changed when veteran Flex Sparkle hit several massive multi-kills as the meta's favorite edgy darling, Reaper. Though the shock held the fuel from completing the map, the fights and the series became closer than ever. Push map Esperanza felt as if the two teams were trading blows for the entirety of the 10-minute time bank as Sparkle once again pulled triple duty for his team, bringing the series to an even 2-2. Two and two. By fifth map oasis, though, the San Francisco Shock seemed to get a second wind. Proper continued doing what he does best, destroying hopes and dreams with every right click, while Winston expert Mikey impressed many internet doubters with his space-creating ability. With the shock up 3-2, the Dallas Fuel had to rally on Route 66. Fearless kicked things into high gear and began focusing his energy on disrupting proper sightlines and throwing him into the air as Winston. Though it was a perilously close map, Dallas managed to squeak out a win and bring Overwatch League fans a grand finals that was truly down to the wire. The 2022 finals ended on push map Coliseo, known for its ample sniper sightlines and flank routes that are high risk, high reward. If any two teams have ever confused the friendly pushbot more, it was the Fuel and the Shock, trading blows back and forth once again for the entirety of the map. Though Proper and his team appeared in full playoffs form, the coordination and confidence of the Dallas Fuel won out in the end. As the final fight ended, the Fuel's players, many of whom have played together for half a decade one way or another across multiple teams and eras of Overwatch, gathered each other in big hugs. Fearless, who was once a part of the ever 
losing inaugural Shanghai Dragons roster, was named the Grand Finals MVP and accepted his award in tears. From a successful season to a gratifying and sentimental victory, the Dallas Fuel truly embodied what the fifth year of the Overwatch League was all about, climbing back up together to achieve new heights previously thought impossible. And there you go. First of all, let's applaud Liz Richardson for that amazingly well-writ summary. This is where I cue the uh, where I hit the sound box for or for my uh, clapping. You know, I could have actually inserted clapping in there. Why didn't I do that instead of just clapping into the mic? That was that was lame. Anyways, I digress. That was a great article um, and an awesome summary of the final match between the Dallas Fuel and the San Francisco Shock. This was certainly the best grand finals we've seen. Um, granted, you know, again, as I always say, I did not follow the league in the inaugural season, so. Uh, maybe that one was great, but from what I've seen and heard, I think this one was one for the ages. And it really is a story of, you know, a, a sort of underdog story when it comes to the Dallas Fuel, to the San Francisco Shock in a lot of ways uh, with the rookie roster, um, as well as, you know, looking at the league and Overwatch as a whole, you know, from a from a quote-unquote dead game, uh, releasing in this early access version on October 4th, um, being only, you know, a month into that full release kind of thing. And obviously, then having uh, the success of the launch, um, you know, bumps aside. Uh, and of course, seeing the viewership spike that the game did get during the Grand Finals, it really was a success story all around, I think. And certainly, you know, the San Francisco Shock put up one of the greatest fights I've ever seen against the Dallas Fuel. There were many times during that final that I was worried the Dallas Fuel were going to lose. Um, I did find myself cheering for the Dallas Fuel. Mostly, I think, because I wanted to see that roster that, you know, had seen success, um, but ultimately not win the Grand Finals. I wanted to see them get that that glory that they wanted, um, that they've sought after for so long. Although, again, it would have been amazing to see the San Francisco Shock, you know, get that third win. But ultimately, the team I was cheering for won, and I was happy. I think everyone, overall, it was just a stellar, uh, stellar Grand Finals. And that's going to be it for our Grand Finals talk. And now we're going to move into a couple other stories. Uh, one that relates to Grand Finals, and then one that does relate to the Overwatch League, but might shock some listeners, that's for sure. So, let's stay with .esports.com, though, with an article posted on November 7th, written by Emily Morrow, which reads, Overwatch 2 hits another player count milestone one month after release. After a rocky launch, Overwatch 2 hosted, uh, played host to over 35 million players during its first month. The figure was revealed today in an Activision earning report for Q3 2022. Under a section labeled Selected Business Highlights, Blizzard Entertainment's parent company said that, quote, over 35 million people played the game in its first month, including many who were new to Overwatch. The same section reported that average daily player numbers from Overwatch 2 have more than doubled those of the first game. This is only the second time that the company has publicly revealed player counts. A tweet from the official Overwatch account on October 14th announced that the game had reached 25 million players in the 10 days after launch. Neither Activision nor Blizzard have shared much other data regarding the game's player base so far, including much-anticipated numbers like hero pick rates. The company did reveal in a blog post that all of the game's heroes have a win rate between 45 and 55%. These exceptionally high player counts can count totals sorry continue to astonish particularly in the face of overwatch 2's choppy launch during the first few days after release uh, after the game's october 4th release those who wanted to play the game had to contend with two ddos attacks significant server instability and a host of bugs the game has since earned evened out and servers are stable but there's still backlash against the free-to-play 
sorry, free-to-play games, battle pass, and monetization system. It's unclear if Blizzard will make any changes to Overwatch 2 systems in the face of community outcry. So there you go. Uh, just wanted to report on that because obviously player numbers are huge. Um, you know, I think along with that does go, uh, there's, there's something to be said about the streamer numbers, viewership numbers over on Twitch, over on YouTube gaming, things like that, um, which we know have been high as well. I think Overwatch has consistently been in the top three, if not the top five, uh, you know, most viewed games uh, for the entire time Overwatch 2 has been out, which is great to see the turnaround on that. Um, and, you know, the internet, as far as I see it, is only uh, only more and more overflowing with Overwatch these days, which is awesome. And then, of course, we also have the Grand Finals, which, although I didn't find an article on it, I know I saw at one point that I think uh, viewership had reached 308,000 uh, live viewers, which is crazy and is a huge uptick from what we're used to, even in the Overwatch League and even in those... Uh, you know, tournament finals and things like that, that typically do have a little bit higher viewership. But I think this was, you know, probably triple what we normally see. So great stuff all around there. Now for our final news story this week, we're going to stick with .esports.com with an article by Liz Richardson posted on November 7th. That's right. That was today as of recording with a bit of shocking news, which reads Vancouver Titans part ways with head coach Depay. The first big cut of the offseason is a bit of a surprise. The Overwatch League Grand Finals ended three days ago, and teams are already making big changes heading into 2023. While players are often the first to be let go, sometimes restructuring needs to happen from the top down. The Vancouver Titans announced today the organization would be parting ways with its head coach, Deepay. Deepay joined the team in the middle of 2022 season and helped the long-suffering roster earn its first win of the year. Though Vancouver is no stranger to upending Overwatch rosters and rebuilding in pursuit of success, the loss of Deepay is an unexpected change for the organization. By the time Deepay was hired as head coach in mid-July of this year, the Titans were still hunting for their first win of the 2022 season. A few weeks passed with the same results, but Vancouver eventually took a win against the Paris Eternal and continued that success in the Summer Showdown tournament cycle. The team even made an appearance in the Summer Showdown LAN event in Toronto, having secured three wins throughout the cycle, enough to qualify for the event. It was a nice surprise for Titans fan, fans, though the team was later taken out by the Florida Mayhem. Over that short time period, the Titans suddenly looked like a team on an upward trajectory instead of one with wasted potential. They ended the season with a 5-19 regular season record, which is a big improvement for the team's abysmal 1-15 2021 season record. Many analysts and fans attributed the late season success to Depay, who previously coached the Los Angeles Gladiators for nearly four years. Vancouver has yet to announce any player drops or additions, but the offseason is just kicking off. So there you go. That's the news that dropped today. And as you know, as Liz says in that article, that was shocking. I I guarantee you, you could go back to previous episodes of One Man Watchpoint or you know the other podcast I'm on, Ready Set Pwn, and you could hear me saying the words that you don't bring in a head new head coach halfway through the season just to not allow them to build their roster out for the upcoming season. And by all means, Depe made some decent changes, right? We saw the. Uh, the release of, I believe it was Psycho as well as Shockwave, and obviously King came in. We also saw Mirror join the roster. We also then saw the GM go and saw Baroy come in as GM. So by all means, some very significant changes that you have to assume Deepay was kind of leading. Uh, the only one that I wouldn't be so certain he was leading was probably Baroy, but at the same time, he was. it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was involved in that decision or um, you know, at least aware of it ongoing and that kind of thing um 
I would really seriously question what exactly happened here. Um, to me, this kind of says, you know, potentially he had agreed to, you know, come on, finish the season with Vancouver. And maybe there was some sort of a deal where he wanted to see if he would want to stay in Vancouver. Or maybe it was the case that, um, you know, he was basically told, come, stay, see how it goes, um, see what you can do with the roster, we'll give you creative freedom, if you will, um, and then make a decision. I, I don't know. I almost think that there's a chance he was given a better, uh, maybe not a better offer, but a different offer that he wanted to take advantage of more than uh, than staying with Vancouver. I do wonder if this caught Vancouver off guard, basically, is what I'm saying. Um, the organization as a whole, that is. Ultimately, in my mind, pretty big loss for Vancouver. Depay was not only a, uh, a great coach by all means or by all accounts, um, but he was a name around the league, right? He was enough to draw attention and draw people to a team. Uh, you have to figure that his presence in Vancouver would kind of put out a message that, uh, you know, Vancouver isn't here to mess around and they do want to make some changes. They do want to see some improvement and uh, they're willing to, you know, put up and and bring in the right pieces. But ultimately, Depay's gone now. Um, you know, Baroy's still there, which I do also wonder, you know, what part of this decision comes down to Baroy. I really, truly feel like it has to have been a Depay decision to leave. And there must be something else going on, you know, another offer or um, something more enticing. But anyways, that's where my head is at with that. And with that, that's actually going to take us to the end of our news segment of the show, which means normally this is the part where we would go into the Owl Recap. Of course, the Owl Recap this week, though, is going to be a little different. So without further ado, let's move on over. The darkness consumes. All right, so here we are in the Owl Recap. Now, again, normally what I do in this section of the show is I'll actually go over all of the matches that we saw this past week in the Overwatch League. Um, the other thing that I normally do is post an episode every week. Of course, this past weekend, uh, matches were actually starting on October 30th, uh, and then they were the 30th through the 4th. So, of course, that means there were matches on October 31st, which was a Monday, which is Halloween, which is when I normally record. But given that I have a small child, I didn't record. So, of course, we missed an episode halfway through the playoffs. But I didn't really mind that because it was it felt a little awkward to say, here's what happened in last night's games, here's what happened in a few of today's games, but not all of them, and we don't know what's going to happen after that. So I actually haven't covered any of the playoffs at all. So what I'm going to do here is I'm actually going to give you a breakdown starting with the very first game. We're going to cover all the games, but of course, we're not going to we're not really going to go into too much detail about um every single game just because that would be a lot um, but I did watch nearly every game you know to, to varying degrees of paying attention um, but I will mention the score for every single game just so we know where everyone netted out um, and then of course we might talk a little bit about the final although again you know we already did so let's get in there so first we kicked things off on October 30th with the winners round one uh, matches. So first things first, we had the Philadelphia Fusion getting beat 3-0 by the London Spitfire. We then saw the Hangzhou Spark 3-0, the Shanghai Dragons, in what many would consider a huge upset. We then saw the Florida Mayhem 3-0, the Atlanta Reign, in probably what some would consider an upset. Uh, I personally did pick the Florida Mayhem to take this match. 
Then our final match on the first day of playoffs was the Houston Outlaws 3-0ing the Toronto Defiance. So that's right. We had a day of entirely 3-0s to send teams to the losers round to kick things off. In winners round two on October 31st, we saw the Dallas Fuel get a 3-1 win over the Hangzhou Spark. We saw the Seoul Dynasty 3-0 the Florida Mayhem, sending them to the losers bracket now. We saw the Houston Outlaws get a 3-2 win over the San Francisco Shock in, again, another upset of a match, knocking the San Francisco Shock down to the losers bracket. We then, in probably what I would argue is maybe only the second biggest upset, we saw the London Spitfire 3-1, the Los Angeles Gladiators, sending the Gladiators to the losers bracket. So what that meant was we now had the Shanghai Dragons, last year's champions. We had the San Francisco Shock, the uh, second place in the West team. We had the Los Angeles Gladiators, the third place in the West team. And uh, that's it right now. We had those three teams moving to the loser's bracket. That's right, facing elimination literally on day three of the playoffs, not even making it to a semifinal match. So after that, we go to our losers bracket with our first day of losers bracket matches starting on November 1st in losers round, technically losers round two, uh, with matches kicking off with the Philadelphia Fusion getting beat 3-1 by the Los Angeles Gladiators. That's right, Gladiators move on. Philly is the ultimate or is ultimately the first team eliminated from the playoffs simply by timeline, not necessarily by placement or anything, but Philly is the first team out, the first team with no wins in the playoffs. Then, of course, the Shanghai Dragons face off against the San Francisco Shock, and San Francisco eliminates the Shanghai Dragons 3-1. And again, we now have the Philadelphia Fusion and the Shanghai Dragons both being eliminated from the playoffs entirely. Finally, we have a rematch of the Atlanta Reign against the Florida Mayhem, and what happens again? Only a slightly better result for the Atlanta Reign. The Florida Mayhem take it 3-1. So Florida enjoying a little bit of success already. You know, they've had, uh, they had their... Uh, win against Atlanta in the first round. They lost to Seoul in the second round, but then they win against Atlanta again, so they get three wins. Uh, sorry, two wins and one loss so far. But ultimately, Atlanta not winning a match, just like the Shanghai Dragons and the Philadelphia Fusion. And finally, what happens to my personal favorite in the tournament? The Toronto Defiant lose to the Hangzhou Spark in a 3-2 fashion, although this match was very competitive and I really thought Toronto, there were times where it looked like Toronto was really going to take it, but ultimately they just couldn't clutch it out. Um, they did take them to five, which was, you know, by all means the best losers match match we had um, almost in the entire playoffs. You know, I would go as far as to say in the entire playoffs. Other than the Houston-San Francisco match in the winner's round two that I just mentioned, no other game was was a 3-2 every game was a 3-0 or a 3-1 which is honestly just crazy to think about but anyways toronto at that point was out and that meant that philadelphia shanghai atlanta and toronto were all eliminated we then went on over to november 2nd with our first match of the day being a losers round three match seeing the san francisco shock beat the los angeles gladiators 3-1 meaning our overall third place team from the West was out, and the San Francisco Shock would move on. After that, we saw the Hangzhou Spark take on the Florida Mayhem and ultimately dethrone the Florida Mayhem from their losing streak or from their winning streak. Uh, and Hangzhou progresses, and the Florida Mayhem were out of the tournament. We then went up to the winner's round three bracket, where the Seoul Dynasty got stomped by the Dallas Fuel 3-0, sending Seoul to the loser's bracket. 
And the Houston Outlaws stomp the London Spitfire, 3-0, sending London to the loser's bracket. We then move on to November 3rd, where we kick things off in the loser's round 4, with the San Francisco Shock stomping the Seoul Dynasty, 3-0, in, honestly, in what was an upsetting match. That match should have been better. The Seoul Dynasty, I think, uh, for whatever reason, underperformed pretty heavily there and and i think they did against their dallas in their dallas match as well it was kind of upsetting to see i had high hopes for dallas uh, for soul dynasty i really thought they would make it further in this tournament um and to be fair i mean they made it to the second last day but ultimately i just expected more of a fight against dallas against san francisco uh if they had by some miracle made it to the finals you know it would have been a roll from dallas so anyways san francisco moves on then the hangzhou spark Take a 3-1 win over the London Spitfires, sending London packing as well. And, of course, that brings us then to our winner's round four. The match that would determine who ultimately goes to the grand finals. A match, a battle for Texas, with the Houston Outlaws getting beat 3-1 by the Dallas Fuel. And Dallas goes to the grand finals matchup, sending Houston to the loser's bracket. So, that was your. That was three out of four games on your November third. Our final match on November third then saw the two winners of the previous losers round matches, the San Francisco Shock take on the Hangzhou Spark, and San Francisco comes out with the win three one in what was a pretty decisive win, honestly. So then that means Grand Finals Day, November fourth. We kicked things off at six p.m. Mountain Time, where we saw the San Francisco Shock take on the Houston Outlaws, and although Houston, I think, did the best they could and did impress at times it wound up being a 3-0 win for san francisco i had really hoped houston would at least get a map and it really looked like at the very end it looked like they were going to um they had a route 66 map that was just stellar uh and definitely had moments where san francisco rolled them but it had moments where they took control uh you know between Merritt and pelican you know working with dante it really looked like they were going to come out on top at least on that map and send it to four maps but ultimately san francisco just clutched it out proper came through every time he was needed and uh san francisco ultimately won it out sending them to the grand final against the dallas fuel and of course you know we already talked about this match liz richardson did a great recap that i you know read at the start of the show there uh, we started things off on Lijiang Tower with a back-and-forth match where uh, Dallas did take that map to one, but again, ultimately San Francisco got one of the maps, so, you know, pretty even there. We then went to King's Row where San Francisco took it 2-1. Then San Francisco goes up again on Dorado, taking it 3-2, meaning San Francisco was up 2-1 overall, which is a scary position to be in, but Dallas fights back on Esperanza and ties it up so it's 2-2 we then go to oasis where san francisco now takes the control map 2-1 so again the back and forth continues and we're at tied 3-3 nope that would have been uh 3 3-2 at that point san francisco's got the lead san francisco's going to match point what's going to happen we go to route 66 and dallas clutches out the map and takes it 2-1 and now we're tied 3-3 and of course we go to our final map in coliseo uh, you know, it either had to be New Queen Street or Coliseo. And if I'm not mistaken, San Francisco has a stellar record on New Queen Street. So Dallas takes them to Coliseo and ultimately Dallas gets the win uh, 1-0 in what really and truly was a, a stunning finish to the grand finals for our 2022 season. And honestly, it was an absolute blast to watch. It was a ton of fun. I'm super jealous of the uh, 
the friends and and people that I know that got to be there. Um, I would would have loved to be there, and I will you know will definitely be making it out to a grand finals eventually. Um, I can't think of anything you know more fun to do than be a part of that hype, be a part of that buzz, and just take it all in. I think that would have been a ton of fun. But anyways, we now have our 2022 grand finals champions, the Dallas Fuel. And with all that said, that of course brings me back to my pickums. So again, of course, as you know, if you're if you're a keen listener, if you follow the league or anything like that, you have the opportunity to make your picks uh, on the matches that are upcoming in every week, and ultimately decide you know what you think the score will be, who you think the winners will be, and of course that continues through playoffs right up to grand finals when you select who you think will win the championship overall and by what score. So. Of course, I pulled up the Pick'em's leaderboard overall just to see where I placed. And if I take a look here, I placed 2,138th overall with 482 points. Ultimately, the number one uh, position person was Cat with 588 points. Number two was JL Highness, 579. And number three was Titan MK7 with 576. So crazy stuff there that's, you know, a good at least or right around 100 points more than I made, but honestly, just uh, overall a crazy, crazy outcome. And if I take a look at the Countdown Cup Plus playoffs, I ranked 101, so I almost broke the top 100. If I take a look at the Summer Showdown, I was 2,535th. If I take a look at the Midseason Madness, I was 3,410th, and the Kickoff Clash, I was 5,279th. So ultimately, I mean, hey, I got better and better and better throughout the... uh, throughout the season so not too bad at all um just looking at countdown cup plus playoffs i had 123 points i was 101 uh but number one was 134 so you know i not too bad at all not too bad at all i was not far off from that although obviously a lot of people weren't but but still anyways that's where i finished the season and if i take a look at of course the ready set pwn leaderboards uh, Ready, Set, Pwn being the Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant podcast that I am also a part of, I actually placed first on the Countdown Cup Plus Playoffs leaderboard uh, with Kevin Liu in second and Buzzy907 in third. Of course, my co-host Alex in fourth and the other and uh, our other co-host Chris in seventh. If I look at the Summer Showdown, let's see where I placed there. Uh, I placed fifth behind Alex, and uh, actually Chris came in first. In the midseason madness, I placed third ahead of both of them. And in the kickoff clash, I actually placed, uh, oh darn, sixth, but I did miss out on my crystal ball picks. Had I gotten that, I mean, I would have been maybe third. So anyways, overall, good stuff. You know, uh, impressive turnout. Looks like, oh wow, looks like Alex beat me overall for the 2022 season by one point. I came in fourth, he came in third, of course, with KOJ coming in second and Kevin Liu coming in first. But that is what our pickums look like from the Overwatch League 2022 season. And with that, I think that's all we have to cover this week. That's right, a bit of a shorter episode. Um, obviously, I, I, I'm not going to dive into every single match that occurred, uh, but overall, that's how the season turned out. Uh, it was a fantastic time. Overall, I think this season really proved that, uh, you know, the Overwatch League is in a lot of ways here to stay, and it was just a ton of fun. If you're not following the Overwatch League, I would strongly encourage you to dive in in the upcoming season, season six, which who knows when we'll start. Uh, we do have rumors, of course, 
of a start. Um, I believe there were rumors that things would start in about two months, which would likely not mean uh, the actual start of the season, because two months would, of course, you know, it's November 7th, so December, January, likely means in the new year, teams will start trialing and scrimming and things like that, trying to build their rosters, trying to sign players and things like that, build out their their next, uh, the next vision version of their organization. But there have also been rumors that we won't start this season sixth season until may which would be pretty crazy that would be a long off season that would be about a six month off season which would be crazy so we'll cross our fingers it's not that late let's hope for maybe an april i mean i could see them doing april which is only slightly less than that but let's hope for maybe a february march start i think that would be a lot of fun maybe space things out a little bit more um but we'll see what happens and with all of that said i think we'll head on over to the outro I'm on fire. So there you have it. That was episode 93 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. I seem to have misplaced. Oh, there it is. I've been playing with this little Torbjorn turret that I have. It's a little Funko Pop Torbjorn tur turret. And I've been playing with it this whole episode. That's what you probably heard me rattling around on my desk and dropping on my desk occasionally. But anyways, I thought I misplaced it just now. But uh, I found it. It's right here. It's right here. I got it. I got it. Anywho, that's been episode 93 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. Of course, if you are a new listener, thank you so much for listening, and I highly, highly, highly encourage you and would love it if you went and liked, subscribed, shared all that jazz. But also if you went and followed me on Twitter, you can tweet at me, you can DM me, you can give me questions, comments, topics for the show, anything you've got, and I will bring it to the show and I will talk about it on air. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on the Overwatch League Grand Finals. Um, I would love to hear who you were cheering for and how they did, obviously. And, you know, give me your summary and your overall kind of opinion on how they finished off the season. Was it a disappointment? Did they finish where you expected? Uh, did they overperform? How did you feel about your favorite team? Um, and ultimately in the final, were you cheering for San Francisco? Or were you right and you were cheering for the Dallas Fuel? You can, of course, find me on Twitter at SirDrJM. That's at SirDRJM, where you can follow me and you can send me those, those things that I just described. I would love to interact with you over there. You can, of course, find One Man Watchpoint on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And, of course, I also encourage you to check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, available on podcast services everywhere. Ready, Set, Pwn is your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. Some have even described the podcast as the preeminent Canadian Overwatch League podcast. And with that, I'll sign off this Overwatch League season by saying, hashtag, burn blue. Thanks.